No, no, no. You can keep your camera off. I've seen your haircut. Excellent. Yeah. Keep your onesie on then, uh, you, uh, you can keep your onesie on. I would like a picture, though, if that's possible. <laughs> yeah. You, so you, um, you've listened to the podcast, have you? This is when you say yes, and I'm a big fan. Yes, and I'm a big fan. Perfect. Say Peter Papa Pippa Pepper. Whatever. I want to hear your... Peter Pippa 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 Yeah. Yeah, that's, that'll do. Thank you. This is like the world's most homemade podcast, which I think is quite, it's quite, quite charming, I think, in a way. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is the ANS Podcast. I'm Anthony. I'm here every week with the gorgeous, talented, and slightly older than she was last week, Miss Olivia Jess Colker. Hey, Liv, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. It is birthday week. It's birthday week. It's not a birthday. It's a birth week. Yeah. It is a birth week. Yeah, I've changed it. I changed the rules. I'm having a whole week. Perfect. What are you going to do for your week off? Well, your week off, you're really on, but. Yeah, no, just the one day <laughs> off. So it was my birthday Monday, and uh, true ANS perk, we get our birthdays off. So I had a lovely, relaxing day with the family. Um, got lots of presents. Really, really spoiled. Loads of cake and loads of prosecco. So yeah, it was a really good day. What's your perfect birthday cake? Um, it's just standard, I think. Like just Victoria Sponge. Victoria Sponge, bit of jam, bit of cream, some icing, and that'll do. I I have to say I do like like those child birthday cakes. I think when you get older, I've noticed that the 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 cakes always get a little bit. They try to get fancier, but they don't taste as good. Yeah, no, I think you can. I think you can overcomplicate things. Just simple Victoria sponge. My niece picked my cake for me, and she's four, so it was pink with butterflies on it, and it was beautiful and delicious. Oh, amazing, amazing! Can I ask what what did you get for your birthday? Was you a good girl this year? I was a very. I've been absolutely spoiled. The older I get, the more presents I seem to get, which is just confusing me. But I'm gonna. I'm not gonna complain. Um, I got lots of lovely pampering stuff candles pajamas slippers perfume i got a new apple watch the apple watch series six. Oh, very um, nice so I'm ob- yeah i'm obsessed with my um i'm obsessed with my apple watch and closing my rings so yeah that's a good present and loads of just loads of stuff really 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 spoiled you did forget to mention the best present that you did get though um um, my my uh, hair dye, my hair. Th- <laughs> yeah, Anthony threw in um, in the present from the team. He threw in some root spray for because I've got dark roots, are darker than my hair dye color. Um, so he threw in some yellow. I haven't tried it out yet, actually. I'm waiting for when my hair needs a wash in case it looks terrible and ruin my hair. <laughs> Is it? It's not a permanent dye then. Because the girls, um, the, the the marketing ladies, they actually picked it out. Uh, oh no, you got full. You took full blame in the card. They oh yeah, oh, it, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it was my idea. I was like, oh, you got to get her some get her some air dye, and um, but I don't know if it was permanent dye or not. So if you put it in, can you wash it out if it is a disaster? 
yeah well um it's a good job the podcast is just a podcast and not a video so no one has to see <laughs> if I do make a mess of it but it's um no as far as I can see it's just a spray you spray it on it covers up your roots and then I think it washes out but like I said I'm, I've not tried it yet and I've been brave enough have you ever had any hair dyeing disasters have I? Um, no, I'm pretty just bog standard with my hair colour. I've never gone pink or green or anything wacky that would involve um, an emergency trip to the hairdressers. So, yeah, I'm pretty low-key when it comes to that. I'll tell you a story, right? When I was uh, probably about 21, 22, I um, got my housemate to... You know when you used to do your highlights, you'd put pop them through... Uh, the cap and then you would dye it all and put the blonde dye in and then you took the cap off washed it all out and it looked amazing well I look like a hamster I don't know what she did I think the hair dye must have leaked underneath the cap and so I was like I can't go because I work behind a bar so I certainly couldn't work behind the bar what looking like that so we ended up going to the 24-hour Sainsbury's at like three o'clock in the morning and um, the only dye I could find that would cover this disaster was purple. And it was like oh, a really, wow. it was a really deep purple. And when I first went in, it looked so good. It was like a, it was like a black with a, with a hint of purple. But after about two days of washing it, I looked like an actual like fraggle or a muppet. Like it was, <laughs> it was like this, this really awful, awful color. And I thought, and that was what, 20 odd years ago. And now I see people all the time because there is this kind of trend of people having like unnatural colored hair. Like you see people with blue and green hair, which. Yeah, it's trendy. But I like to, I like to hear that you're on brand with purple 20 years ago, pre A&S. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I was I think I think it was fate that I'd end up here. Uh, yeah, definitely. So we are, sorry, I'm just walked, bumped into my mic. So we, we are, so we are joined by um, a superstar, I would say, from the ANS verse. Uh, Mr. Ben Potts is with us. Ben is a product manager. We're going to learn about what a product manager is because I genuinely thought it was a made up role. <laughs> um, welcome, Ben. <laughs> Thanks, Anthony. What a great introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, have you ever had any hair dyeing disasters? No, no hair dyeing disasters. Um, but I, I've got to jump in and say my, my favourite birthday cake is definitely Colin the Caterpillar. Colin the oh, Caterpillar. Yes. Is that is, is that like one of the the six pound cakes from Tesco kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, every... He's Marks and Spencers, is he not, Colin? Is he? Is he? Yeah. Oh, 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 a bit posh. <laughs> oh, Colin yeah, the caterpillar. Colin. Yeah, Colin, and he's got a female companion at the minute. I can't remember what her name is. It's called Camilla or something, I think. And the, introduced. Is that? Yeah. And that's just really soft white, um, like white cake, like Victoria sponge and jam and cream. With. I think so. I've never, I've not actually tr tried one yet, but um, yeah, no, he's definitely, they've definitely expanded the range. Oh, Connie. Mm. No, I've got a note from producer Kate. She's called Connie the Caterpillar. Connie the <laughs> Caterpillar with her partner, <laughs> Colin the Caterpillar. Colin uh, and Connie. Now I'm trying to think. So I'm thinking about like caterpillars turning into butterflies. So the feet, do the female ones turn to, I'm going to, I'm not even going to get into this now, but I'm going to be Googling <laughs> that later. <laughs> yeah, we're off on a tangent. We've got we're... our guest on the show and we're leaving him in the virtual green room. So let's get him, get him in properly. Yeah, so Ben, Ben Potts, I have to say you were a recommendation from our previous guest, Adrian, 
he's he oh, um he speaks very 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 highly of you uh how long have you been with ans just over a year now yeah it's uh it's 13 months i think to the day pretty much oh so you're a lockdown baby i am i am yeah and uh what a super interesting journey it's been so i spent the, the first three three weeks with ans in the office and then we moved to our fully virtual world um and it's, it's quite amazing, really. I think I've had a, a few conversations about this with it being, you know, coming up to that 12-month period. And mm-hmm. uh, I said, said to a few of my family members how amazing it is that, that I feel so connected to ANS as a business. Um, even though for such a long period we've been wholly remote, I feel like the relationships I have with a lot of the people that I work with at ANS are even stronger than they would have been if we we'd been in the, in the physical office space. It's it's pretty incredible. Oh, just wait until we're we get to the summer and you do actually get to do the physical social stuff because when people talk about culture, now I, I'm one of these people who I'm very matter of fact in the way that I speak to people. I, I say things how they are, not in a rude way sometimes, but um, in in uh, I'm, I I won't I I won't uh, mince my words. And I have to say, when it comes to culture, I think a lot of businesses, they talk about culture and diversity and all this stuff, and it's complete PR nonsense. They don't live it. But at ANS, I think you'll discover that it is something that we genuinely live. And even though we all, I think we try hard at it, at the same time, I think that it, it feels very natural. Wouldn't you agree, Liv? Oh, yeah, definitely. We, I was having a similar conversation earlier this week, and you know, it's it's what comes first, a bit of a chicken and egg. Is it that, you know, the framework around how you want to build the business or is it the culture that just that drives that? And I think for ANS, it's definitely definitely the culture um, mm. that allows us to, to, to you know, kind of be the people that we want to be at work. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And it's incredible to hear Ben's feedback, really, as someone who's, you know, was a relatively new starter last year when, it, when you know, we all went to re- fully remote working. Um, and it's yeah, it's really it's really amazing to hear that story. So thank you, Ben. Yeah, wait to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I absolutely agree with what you're saying about the culture as well. I mean, it, it it's incredible that it bears so much fruit even in this this remote existence. You know, we still feel feel that that bears through the business as a whole, um, and and is really quite compelling. I'm not going to go off at a tangent too much, but you are you are ANS's first and only product manager i'm keep i have to say that product manager and uh i i have a, i was i was joking earlier because i have worked with product product managers in it in in other in other jobs in the past before but um just for those who for the uninitiated um what how would you describe um the role of a product manager um it it's really difficult to be concise and give like a a really uh, short summary of, of the the role of a product manager. It's such a wide and varied role, but mm. um, to to try and put some context around the areas that you take an interest in and get involved in, um, you, you've got really five key areas that span the role as a whole uh starting off with um insight activities where you're doing a lot of 
research uh, it could be market research understanding the customers that you're working with understanding competitors to them what differentiates them in the marketplace um and what, what specifically when you're talking about digital products you take an interest in uh how existing products perform in, in that space mm-hmm. um then we've got analysis type type work where you may be looking at uh, how verticals are segmented, uh, how, how you shape a proposition to, to approach that vertical um, creation of, of business cases. Um, a third work stream being direction. So uh, looking at setting strate- a portfolio or product strategy, having roadmaps and a vision for, for where you're taking those products. And then there's actually delivering those products so all of those things kind of feed into setting a strategy and understanding what it is that you you want to create or help a customer create and then you've got all the activities that kind of underpin that as as delivery so uh, understanding requirements helping create design and visuals for those requirements managing partners that you might work with, um, helping project managers manage the the tasks and work that goes into that delivery. Um, And then management of uh, operational readiness tasks. So if we think about uh, testing, go live, all those kind of activities. And then you've got the back end of product management, which is- Making it all work. Launch, launch of a product, promotion, Mm marketing of that product and then there's the sunsetting aspect as well so you know how do you how do you effectively decommission that project for or product from it from its users at, at the end of its yeah. useful lifespan so it, it's really huge you know it spans the whole uh software development life cycle really um mm. and interfaces with, with so many different people and roles so yeah massively varied and super interesting yeah, definitely. You were right. It was. It's difficult to be concise about what the role is. <laughs> how did you get into it then, Ben? What What's your background, and and how did you get into product management? A pretty interesting journey, uh, even if I do say so myself. But a, a lot of, as we know, a lot of techies find their way into the industry in the first instance through um, support type roles. Um, and that's very much where I started my career. So uh, very much application support and being a being a keen tech head. So you know, exploring technologies that enabled the applications that I was working to support to exist in the first place. You know, having a keen understanding of data and how the web works and all these all these things from a foundational aspect 15 years ago. Um, and from there, I transitioned into uh, more of a, a partner partner management type role, uh, which gave me a bit of a different perspective on uh, the tech industry as a whole and the way that partners work together. Mm. Moving from there into project delivery was where I really started to get a holistic a holistic view of uh creation of a product through to through to delivery of it um so yeah i would say as as a product as a project manager you get a great oversight across all the activities that take place to form a product but i think 
as a as a project manager, it can often be difficult to get the the technical insight that you're looking for to take the next step into into a more product orientated environment. So um, fortunately, I, I was lucky enough to be a development project manager, um, and in that role, I got great experience and exposure to core underlying technical principles that then allow me to to step step back from implementation detail and start to understand um, more about what a customer's needs are and fold those into into mapping out requirements which is where you start to say okay that's a lot more like product ownership and from product ownership you then add the additional strings to to the bow that we've, we've spoken about with with the wide remit of the role so you know they start to think about well it's more about um understanding a wider strategy and how we can how we can have a vision for for how we're going to go forward uh, as a business and what differentiates us from our competitors etc kind of steps you away from product ownership to product management so that's very much the journey that, that I've been on. Um, I think that as a product manager, you, you, you're able to focus on areas that you, that you enjoy, you know, talking about the, the depth of the role um, and, and the variation. There's so much here that no one person can do in any organization. And you very much rely on the capabilities of the team that you work with in order to be excellent at any of these areas, but you can certainly lend your time and focus on the areas that you feel you add the most value to the organization in, um, which for, for myself is very much the uh, helping the customer set direction and then breaking down that direction into, into requirements for us to deliver against. So would you say it's more, so if, if, if someone come with you for an idea of, of a product, that uh, an organization could develop and then eventually sell a product or service. And would you say that from your perspective, you would be bringing together all of the people who would bring life to that idea and turn it into something that was tangible. So we're talking about people that would, I don't know, write code, and then you have people that would develop how it would work with existing systems such as in Azure or AWS, et cetera, and, and, and all of that. Am I, am I on the right path here? Yeah, you, you're not too far off, but I think there's a, there's a really foundational piece before that, that that's super important in, uh, in product management and actually can, at a real early stage of an engagement can determine whether long-term it's successful or even viable in the first place. And that's really understanding the problem. Mm. So um, all too often I see uh, or have experienced situations where we preform ideas of what the solution is. Before knowing what the problem is. Yeah, or only understanding part of the problem. Okay, so that, that that's probably the biggest pitfall that you can fall into as far as a technology product goes. Um, you, you solve part of a problem, but actually all that does is unlock other, other problem areas or mix, bring them to the surface. So the, the really important foundational aspect is to understand why. 
Yeah, that makes and perfect that, sense, actually. That, that that's that's the biggest question to to find out why. And there's there's obviously a lot of techniques to understand why we do something. Um, and you know, we we might do we might use five wise technique to really drill down to the root cause of a problem um or you know often just getting people to engage a wider stakeholder audience and get them to talk about the problem that they're trying to solve rather than talking about the solution that they've got in mind and what that enables us to do is build a really clear vision of the problem in the first instance and we can then use that vision to create a solution that hits all hits all the target points and that that essentially forms you true north for a product mm. so there's many many downstream activities that take place beyond this as you've alluded to already but without that true north and being able to align everybody back to the root cause and why we're really doing this you know what is its intended impact and outcome without that foundational piece those things become more difficult do you know what it's making me it reminds me of something that um andy our cto would say and you'll back me up on this live he would always say i don't feel like we're going fast enough we need to go faster 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 because the world of technology is constantly changing and it moves at light speed but what i'm hearing from you and i'm loving this is basically you're saying even though as a business we want to move faster we want to be on the cutting edge we need to understand growth markets etc etc but what i'm hearing from you is you have to slow down sometimes and really take the time to listen and understand what you're trying to do because and and to take that time at the beginning it's like when people have an idea and they go rushing into it at a thousand miles an hour and then you get to the you get to the halfway point and then because they haven't done that work at the front end that foundational why are we doing this what is the problem we are solving and and understanding that then you get to the halfway point and you go ah oh, that won't work and then you have to kind of go back to square one again so i i i think that's um that's a really really interesting point and i think it's also a really good lesson for anyone who works in this industry who listens to this podcast so definitely take note um which, <laughs> yeah, um, I, mean, I think i think you're absolutely right there that some sometimes there's a need for that but mm. what what i would say is that i as a mindset i i want to go fast okay yeah now go going quickly um and and the way i would term it is failing fast is the is is important to success right so you have to be able to try things quickly and you have to learn from them quickly in order to to stay ahead yeah but the point is that if you don't know what you're trying to achieve how can you determine if it was a failure or a success exactly and if you're not able to determine whether it was a failure or success you then can't be agile enough to iterate quickly and succeed in the second time the second attempt if you failed at the first attempt yeah do you speak a lot with customers are you would you say that you you're engaged with uh, our customers quite a lot to be able so you're getting uh, a broad almost stream of intelligence from different verticals to enable you to 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 enable you to make informed product choices 
Yeah, absolutely. I'd say I probably spend 60 to 70% of my average working week working with customers directly. When you're speaking with customers and you spend a, a lot of the week um, with them, do you find that they're, they're coming to you with ideas of things that they would like um, or do they come with you with problems that you you are challenged to solve? Um, quite quite varied. So um, it, it can be quite uh, vertical specific as well, right? So, um, for example, if it's a well-trodden path, a customer yeah. might approach us wanting to travel that well-trodden path. Yeah. But without the foundational understanding of why they want to go down that path, it might not be the right choice for them. Because um, so, they're competing I, with the neighbours, aren't they? It's like I always used to say, exactly. there are certain types of decision makers in the world. And one of those types of decision makers are the people that want the car that your neighbour's got. You know, they're always <laughs> trying to keep up with the Joneses. And they're like, I don't really, I want that. That looks nice. It's shiny. I want that thing right there. And you go, well, I don't know if that's actually right for you. It doesn't matter. That's what they want. You know, yeah. it may not yeah, be, it, you know. There, there is some element of that for sure um, in the industry. And mm. it's, for, for me, one of the, the key parts of, of my role and something that I think that, any product owner or product manager needs to be really, really comfortable with is to be able to make that challenge of yeah. a customer um, and, and be comfortable to, to ask why and to be comfortable to say that you don't agree with, with an assumption that they're making. Um, and, and really what, what we all want to do as, as product managers is make decisions based on data. Uh, because at that point it becomes less about opinion and conjecture and mm. it's more about making a decision based on facts yeah so it's um basically it's uh managing the difference between uh dreams and reality so you've got you know you've got to sometimes ground people with what they can actually what is actually capable and what is and what is also actually suitable I think yeah yeah very very much uh helping people to understand the art of the possible without getting detached from reality right yeah <laughs> that, that, well, I, I think as well i mean live just to bring you in on this because you as as marketing director i can imagine you get loads of different requests for loads of different things and you also have to basically ground people and say do you know what no, <laughs> that's not the right thing for you. Yeah, I, I do use that my uh, my veto card quite a lot. I think <laughs> listening to ben, listening to Ben, there's so many similarities. I think you know, obviously, you know, fr from a marketing perspective, taking a campaign or event or an idea or you know some messaging that we want to develop you, you have to stop yourself almost and, and give yourself a structure to, to stop yourself from running away with an idea and it might not necessarily be the right one if you've not thought it through and 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 followed a methodology and followed a process so there's, there's definitely some similarities um and also yeah we do we do as a department um you know try and keep the doors wide open for people to bring ideas and and bring concepts to us and that yeah there are times where we have to bring them back down to reality and say you know that doesn't necessarily work or and show some examples of where we maybe tried it in the past and uh, and it doesn't necessarily work for us or or again build out their ideas and, and turn it into a reality and um, like you said so 
yeah, definitely hearing loads and loads of um, similarities mm. with listening to Ben. Um, we like the juicy gossip on the podcast, Ben. So what? tell us about some of the coolest products you've been working on. Oh, that's a really good one. That's a really good one. Um, I've worked on lots of exciting things, but there's there's one particular thing that really sticks out in, in my memory. F- first of all, I'll give you a little bit of context. So I'm a lifelong learner and I'm quite an advocate for that. I believe that everybody uh, should have a, a continual improvement mindset. Um, I think self-betterment is really important and to go to go to bed at the end of the day and think, you know, I'm a better version of myself than I was this morning. I think it, it is is a really foundational aspect to, to good mental health. So, um, on that mind, on on that note, and not being of that mindset, um, I'm I'm not uh, a typical a typical uh, academic. So. Um, I left school at the age of 17 uh, because I just determined that academia wasn't for me, even though I could have gone to probably a, a great university and, and done something. I just realised I was wasting everyone's time, right, because it wasn't the right path. But I also want to inst- help instil that, that continual uh, improvement mindset in people. And I see uh, a lot of trends and data that I don't, I, I don't really like, which is um, along the lines of boys of a certain age, so 10 to 15, don't visit libraries, don't pick up books, aren't interested um, in, in that because it's not cool and it's not an Xbox with Call of Duty on it. Mm. Um, so with that context, um, it, it probably helps. <laughs> as to why I found this so exciting, but um, I was part of a team that created an, an augmented reality library shelf and effectively enabled boys of that age or girls for that matter, but specifically it was it was to to interest disenfranchised pupils at schools um, to pop on an augmented reality headset and pick up a book in a virtual world. Um, so there was a shelf essentially with nothing but some some QR codes on it. But when the uh, when the AR headset recognised those barcodes, the virtual book appeared and you could pick it up and read it as if it was in a physical world. Um, you oh, could nice. then chuck it into into your bag, check it out, and read it as an ebook ebook at home. Um, as an experience, it was it was just pretty groundbreaking at the time. We're talking about five five years ago. We we were looking at this technology. Was this when um, Google when people were talking about Google Glass being the next big thing? Yeah, absolutely. So they they were pushing hard into classrooms at the time, um, and and it meshed with that in a in a perfect scenario. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was it was super exciting and amazing to see the look on. Uh, the look on a child's face doing something like that, you know, it was it was revolutionary technology for a library, <laughs> and yeah, I, I just felt good, you know, it, it just it just warms you inside seeing stuff like that, especially when it's something that you're passionate about, like I am. So mm. yeah, that was definitely the coolest thing I've ever worked on. Do you think there's a future with AR now? Because things have improved quite a lot. There was a VR sort of had its moment it's, it's sort of sort of like quieting down a little bit people are still saying the technology's not quite there but i think 
what what we're struggling with at the moment as an industry is where that technology fits without it becoming um, pervasive in in everyday life. So, for example, you know, as you say, it's not realistic to expect that people are going to sit at home on the couch with a helmet on in order to have a virtual party with their friends, but. It's, it is realistic to think that you would get into a car and rather than looking at a screen with your GPS map on, you'd be looking at an augmented map on the road in front of you that tells you where to turn and maps maps the directional arrow to the, the road as you're reaching it. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, just removing those barriers from the experience, I think, is is really important for it to take hold. And I see uh, rumours of things like um, that technology being adopted into uh, contact lenses and such. And I think at that point, you start to remove that barrier and it just becomes part of everyday life. I mean, the Apple Watch that Liv was talking about earlier is a great example of you know, how um, fitness tracking technology starts to become ubiquitous, right? And it just becomes something that we do as part of living yeah. yeah i mean uh, i am i'm i uh wouldn't i wouldn't say i because i have an apple watch series six as well and i wouldn't say i am uh obsessed with closing my rings because i'm not exactly the the fittest person in the world but um i couldn't live without it i've that's yeah, one thing i've i've un- i really couldn't sometimes i actually don't like having it because it's you you're never away from a notification like if you if you drop if you leave your phone somewhere or you've you know uh if i've got it upstairs and i'm downstairs and i know when someone's messaging me straight away and sometimes i feel like it's nice to be completely connected but there are times when i think it's nice to sever that connection completely and you know turn on do not disturb or whatever and there, and and just be a bit human and a bit less digital if that makes sense yeah, it does. But I think I, I would definitely say that um, subconsciously having uh, technology like the watch actually stops you looking at your phone uh, quite so much. Yeah, True. I agree. Yeah, because... I've, I've had one for, for almost about five years now and this is my second one. And I definitely agree. My my phone goes down when I'm at work and, and you know, you're busy. You can check things on your watch and you can check whether you need to bother picking up your phone or not. So yeah, it's, it's definitely released me a little bit from my phone. Yeah, I mean, when when you when you don't know the context for a notification, it could be anything, right? So even if it's something unimportant, you're just as likely to check your phone um, as when it's something important. Whereas when you've got that extra layer that tells you, yes, it is or isn't important, you, you can make a quick decision. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I, fi- I find myself spending less time on my phone when I wear my watch. That That's... Are definite but by the same measure there's nothing quite as uh, freeing as going out for some some exercise and not taking anything digital with you at all right but could you imagine because obviously you work on ans glass which is our proprietary um, window into everything ans for our customers which shows them everything that they need to see that's that's uh that's necessary for the service that we offer them that is the most broad way I can put it, really, without going into too much detail. And uh, could you imagine like an Apple Watch um, version of that where they can get notifi- important notifications then, should they choose to? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and actually something that we, we've got envisioned and is, is likely to come to fruition over the next 12 months of the roadmap. So, uh, yeah, absolutely can see that. Uh, na native mobile applications um, and, and sharing information with our customers that's actually relevant to to the particular contact at a customer, because obviously our customers have a, a huge variety in the level of stakeholder, right? So yeah. you could be you could be an exec down to down to uh, an IT tech uh, do, working on the day to day, um, and and the context of those notifications is really important. But yes, absolutely, it's something that uh, definitely brings value to that uh, and that adds to the engagement. I have to say I've got a reputation of being someone that can't keep anything in so I am going to ruin this I've I have seen the the UX designs for the next version of ANS glass and they it looks so good it looks so good I couldn't believe it when I saw them actually I couldn't believe how much of an improvement that uh that's coming um I I'm obviously they're in early stages but it looks beautiful I'm really 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 impressed Super excellent! It's great to hear your feedback. Yeah. Uh, we ha we have an incredible team of UI and UX designers, mm. um, and I I can't take any credit for for how that looks. Um, <laughs> predominantly, its functionality. Yeah, okay, I'll take a little bit for that, but certainly the look and the visual is is all down to to my amazing team. So, yeah, they, they they've done an incredible job on that, and uh, I'm I'm as excited as you are to see that come come to fruition. Um, and I think really the the experience for our for our customers when we deliver that is is going to take a huge step forward. Um, the the capabilities that we're able to deliver from a next gen platform like that is really uh puts us puts us a, a huge step beyond where we are today um and, and gives us that capability to build on it in the future um and we have some super exciting things that that i'm sure um live you you'll be delighted to be shouting about across all social media platforms when we hit that point uh, and that will get everybody super excited Oh yeah, definitely can't wait to get my hands on it. I've, I've had a sneak peek as well, and um, yeah, it looks amazing. And um, to answer Anthony's question there about the the, the Apple Watch, you know, the new version doesn't seem that far away. Um, mm. So yeah, it looks amazing. Really excited about it. I am going to wrap things up because I think we're we are already over the time that we we booked out for you, Ben. Thank you so much for being such an ace guest and teaching us a few new things about the world of product management, which is a real thing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely is, and um, we'll we'll soon be looking to bring on board a, a new product owner too. So um, exciting times ahead for the team, and uh, yeah, it's it's been a pleasure being here with you both and having a chat. Yeah, well, I hopefully we'll get you back uh, after the release of um, the next iteration of ANS Glass because it'd be really lovely to be able to talk with you and perhaps a couple of members of the team about the development of of that because I think that'd be interesting for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to it. Brilliant. Well, we've got that lockdown now, so you can't back out. Um, Live, <laughs> uh, Live. As always, it has been amazing having you here. Uh, Thank ex you. It's been it's been a pleasure, and it's been a, another really insightful. I feel like I feel like I'm on a continual learning journey doing the podcast, just getting all these amazing people from across the business that don't necessarily get a chance to speak to on a on a day by day. So. Um, 
Yeah, I've really enjoyed that. Thank you, Ben. Okay, so if you guys have been listening on Spotify, there is a little follow button there. If you could click that. If you've been listening on Apple Podcasts, do not forget to subscribe and to leave us a lovely review. It helps with the Apple algorithm. Uh, Guys, we'll be back next week with some amazing news and gossip from the world of ANS. Thank you so much. I've been Anthony. She's been Olivia. And we'll see you next time. Stay safe.